One sec while it spins. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tom's Hardware Show for June 11th. Uh, I'm Abram Pilch. I'm here with uh, senior editor Sharon Harding and Andrew E. Friedman uh, to talk about today's big, biggest tech news, uh, some of the coolest things that are going on. How are you guys doing today? Good. Good. Yeah, do, doing okay. Can't complain. Yeah, working. Uh, have anything cool? Have anything cool in your in your home labs? Mine is a mess of mine is a mess of wires and chargers, which we'll talk about the chargers a little bit later, because uh, that's one of that's what I'm I'm working on. And I think uh, I might have mentioned last week that I got this new uh, keyboard that I'm almost done reviewing, which is the TrackPoint Two keyboard. Uh, how about you, Sharon? What do you have in your in your lair? In my lair. Well, I just we just put up our review of um, Logitech's newest gaming keyboard, which I have here. Um, it's the G915 TKL, which of course means it's 10 keyless. There's no numpad. Um, it's actually a version of a popular Logitech gaming keyboard they released last year. Um, this one's um, a lot of the same features, but um, it doesn't have the numpad, so it's a little bit cheaper at 220 instead of 250. So it's still a lot to pay for a keyboard, but $30 is $30, so. Yeah, what, what about you, Andrew? What do you have? Sure. So you can't actually see it because I'm using it right now, but I'm working on the, I'm, te I'm testing Microsoft Surface Book 3. And uh, so we've got it with the uh, Intel Core i7 Ice Lake, 32 gigabytes of RAM and 512 gigabytes of storage. And the reason I'm using it is because it's got a 1080p webcam built in. And I thought, you know, for the show, you know, might spruce things up, get a few more pixels in there. Um, so, I mean, I think we're broadcasting at seven. It only the software only allows at seven twenty, but you know, it looks nicer. It's got better color than what I usually use. So, I think when they were designing this, they might not have had work at home in mind, but it's definitely been helping. Yeah, I mean, always good to have new and better webcams. I encourage everyone to check out the article from Michelle Earhart our staff writer on where she tested out some new Austin branded webcams. Uh, you may not have heard of Austin, and frankly, before a few weeks ago, I hadn't either, but uh, <laughs> they are a peripheral vendor and they have some uh, pretty decent uh, USB webcams. And right now getting a webcam, finding a webcam is about as easy as finding uh, a giant vat of hand sanitizer. So it, you'll definitely, um, I saw you know, some on sale the other day. Uh, well, it's getting easier, but <laughs> if you want a, a Logitech webcam, um, no, I'm a hand you, sanitizer. <laughs> yes, I mean, I mean, hand sanitizer is getting a bit easier. Yeah. Uh, you know, toilet paper depends on the brand. Uh, Lysol wipes, at least where I live, still really hard to get. Um, but uh, webcams, you know, uh, the awesome ones are available on Amazon right now, and you can get them. Uh, Logitech's, you, which are, you know, the leader, Logitech is the leader in webcams and it's really hard to get a brand new Logitech or you get one at like a scalper price of, you know, $70 webcam for $200 or something crazy like that. Um, I, you know, if it weren't for social distancing, I would just take my webcam and start trying to hawk it on the street. Anybody selling webcams, selling webcams over here? Um, we all want to look as good as Andrew. Yeah. He's stealing the show. Yeah. 
you know, I just I just stand out in front of Staples and be like Hawk and Web Hawk and Webcams. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so speaking of things that are um, that are in demand and uh, and interesting right now, uh, Intel has come has just announced uh, some details about its upcoming Lakefield processor. And Andrew, I know you've been covering that a lot. What is special about Lakefield? Yes, yeah, so these are Intel's first processors, they're for mobile, that use what it calls its Foveros technology, which is 3D stacking. So instead of printing it all flat, it's built part on top of each other. Now, admittedly, Intel sent over it in Lego form to sort of show, and usually we're not using like free stuff on the show, but you know, it actually illustrates very well. So if you have here, you would have you know your motherboard and the first part built in here. And this has things like the audio and USB Type-C and your sensors and your NVMe connectors. But then on top of that, you get into the next layer. And this is where things also get interesting because this is a five core, five thread processor. And it uses one Sunny Core Cove, which is the type, uh, Sunny Cove Core, sorry, which is the type of core you see in Intel's Ice Lake processors. It's 10 nanometer core, and it's you know that's what you're going to use for your main task. And then these little guys, the trim on cores, um, those are going to be used for your background processes. So it's really as close as Intel's ever gotten to a big little style architecture that you usually see on ARM. So it's really interesting to see how x86 is going to run that. So anyway, let's just snap that right on there. Okay, see it's you know it's a little taller, and the way they've they've integrated RAM is you don't even need any outside RAM. They're actually gonna stack the RAM on top of the processor. So, you know, let's say here is four gigabytes and here eight gigabytes. So there we go, we've completed the model. <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> Intel. Um, more realistically though, this is gonna be really tiny. It's about 12 by 12 by one millimeters, like about the size of a dime. So this is really more realistic than this. <laughs> and they're using it for a lot of like really thin and light laptops. So we're going to first see it in two of them. There's the Samsung Galaxy Book S. That was originally designed for the Qualcomm Snapdragon 8CX. So this is really Intel kind of taking arm on over here. And the other one, which we're going to see in the back half of this year, is the Lenovo ThinkPad X1 Fold. So the idea is that we're going to be seeing this on thin and light and dual screen and foldables and like a lot of form factors where having larger chips were less advantageous. What do you think the performance is going to be like? I mean, obviously we don't we don't know for sure, but what do you what do you think? Right. So that's a that's a really interesting question. There's a lot of I mean, there's a lot of testing that needs to be done there. What's interesting about it is that Intel says that the Windows 10 scheduler has been optimized to target the cores correctly. So in theory, if you target the Sunny Cove core, you'll get the stronger performance. And when you're in the background, you'll know, okay, these apps need to target the trim on cores. Originally, we had been hearing that really Windows 10 X was 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 what was going to be optimized for this, the fold the version that was originally going to be for foldables. Since then, Windows 10 X has been moved to be a desktop operating system. And then the foldables, including Microsoft Surface Neo, have been kind of pushed back. And we have no idea what's going to happen with Windows 10 X anymore. So now we're hearing that it only supports Windows 10, period, and that all the optimizations are going to be there. So really, all we can do is test. And I mean, there's going to be two versions as well. There's going to be an i3 and an i5. Um, what They're going to use the Gen 11 graphics, like Ice Lake. And um, they have up to 64 execution units for the graphics. 
And interestingly, they're not like they're not part of 10th gen. So like 10th gen on mobile, we have Ice Lake, we have Comet Lake. And these are just kind of like somewhere in between. They're just kind of like the badge will still say i3 or i5, but that's it. Like if you're going like on a branding 9th gen, 10th gen, 11th gen, these aren't. 10th gen, they're not 11th gen, they're their own thing off in their own little world. So we're really gonna have to like judge them as just like, how are, how are they compared to 10th gen? I don't know. And I imagine you're gonna see, if I had to totally guess, I'd say maybe something along Y series. That's what Intel's been comparing it to gen over gen. They say it's a hell of a lot faster than Y series, but it very well may be, you know, it very well may be faster, but the type of thing that's passively cooled and really just for mobiles. So, so what do you think, Sean? Would you want a foldable? Would you want the foldable? Would I want a foldable? Well, it's I I I feel weird about this because I was with um, Andrew when we were talking to Lenovo and we heard right. about that the chips were um, Windows 10x is optimized to, or the right. chips are optimized to run on 10x, and so now that that is apparently not the case, and the chips coming out on uh, like the Samsung laptop that is. Um, not on 10X and 10X isn't even out. It makes me wonder, A, if we're really gonna see these chips optimized to their max potential when they're out, and B, like if Windows 10X is secretly the key to unlocking this, and if Microsoft is just gonna hold on to 10X until it has its own like field system to sell, maybe the foldable Neo, which is that pushed back now? The, the, the Neo is effectively indefinitely delayed as they've kind of delayed their foldables. So I wonder if that's when we'll see 10x, and is that when Lakefield is going to be at its best? I don't know. I mean, they're 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 not even they're not saying the name 10x. So they're, it's, they're saying it's going to work on Windows 10. We will we will test that. It's a good question. I mean, I think what I'm guessing is that the performance, uh, the performance may be equivalent, but the 10x is obviously made for that kind of two screen UI or will be. So, right. so I think has, that, it, yeah, yeah. And this is things like it has multiple display pipes. Like it is meant for dual screen devices. The question is how will it perform? Otherwise, I wouldn't expect something like a even a U series. I don't think that's realistic. Yeah, but they're ta they're taking it to ARM, and that's the that's actually the other thing that's interesting here. Obviously, Windows ten on ARM has been it's okay. Um, it can that's it can fine. It's, char it's charitable. It can emulate the thirty two bit apps. It can't emulate the 64-bit apps, but this is x86. So you're gonna get those same form, you're gonna get those same form factors for your laptops, and you're gonna get all of all of the apps. So how will they perform? Well, we'll see. The Galaxy Book S is launching this month in select markets, and the ThinkPad X1 Fold, that one we were originally hearing summer, now we're hearing second half of the year, so we have a little bit of time. And those are really the only devices we know of right now that's going to have it since the Surface Neo is kind of, you know, in, sort of indefinitely delayed. Yeah, it sounds though like this might be the chip for that. I mean, yeah, they, you, they had they had all but confirmed this was the chip for that. Yeah. Do you, I mean, do you want a foldable? Do you think foldable is going to to be a category that takes off? What do you think, Sharon? Would do you do you see a place for it? I mean, in my realist, like, obviously they look cool. They're fun to play with. They're fun to see at shows. Um, it's an awesome piece of technology and it really shakes things up in an exciting way. But in terms of like practical use, I, for me, I like, I'm not a creative type. Um, the most I could see myself using it is like kind of like an, like a notebook and taking notes in it as I'm 
you know, standing or at a press event or something like that. But for all that money I'm going to pay for a foldable, for me, I don't think I have enough use for it. If it gets down cheaper, then I'll be there. But that's gonna that's not gonna be for years. What, what do you Mike, think, Andrew? Could you use a foldable? Could I? Probably. I mean, the things you know, you have it with a detachable keyboard, and it works. Right now, Windows 10, as it stands, is not very. You know, it's, it's not the world's most touch friendly. It's getting better. It's always getting better, but that's really what when part of what Windows 10 X was going to do is going to strip it down and is going to make it you know, easier to touch. It was going to make management easier for different screens for, and to have your, you know, your apps easily snap to different sides of the screen or to the two different screens if it's a dual screen and not a foldable. But where I could see this is in a super thin laptop. Like the Galaxy Book S is really thin, really light um, with the Qualcomm model. So the idea that, okay, I can get that without the limitations, if the performance is good, then I can see other uses for this, even if it's not immediately going to be in a foldable PC. Yeah. I, I mean, I think for the, the, the potential for the processor is greater than the potential for the, for that form factor. I mean, it's, it's neat. Like the galaxy, uh, you know, like the X one fold is going to be, uh, you know, look, we, it was really cool to look at. It looked like it, uh, the, the prototypes we saw looked like they were really well made, but, right. but nevertheless, you're talking about something that's going to be very expensive. And I don't think could be most people's uh, main computer. Like, yeah, I guess there's someone who's, uh, you know, you talk about a laptop that's sort of executive jewelry. I guess yes. if someone doesn't have to do their own, do much of their own data entry and they just have like an assistant to do it for them and they want to walk around with this. Um, I guess That's what I, I'm picturing, like it being like a notebook almost. Yeah. If but if you actually had to sit down there and type, I mean, I don't know having a, a mediocre typing experience like you would get, even if you use the physical keyboard and you kind of put it on your lap and you can put like a physical keyboard, that's kind of Bluetooth on top of the bottom part and whatever. But I don't think, I mean, I don't think anything has really topped the experience of having like a really decent keyboard. And that's why even like the Surface Pro uh, detachable, detachable tablets are not nearly as possible as, as popular as say, um, you know, not, you don't really call them foldable, I guess bendable uh, two in ones because yeah, people convertibles. convertibles people need need the real keyboard. Um, they they want the real keyboard. Um, speaking of real keyboards, let's let's change to talking about some real mice. Uh, so Sharon has been testing out a whole bunch of mice that uh, that charge wirelessly just like your phone. So so what are what are they like? Yeah, so um, this is uh, wireless charging mice is a trend I'd say that we're seeing more and more of. Um, a lot of vendors already have some on the market. Uh, Thermaltake actually just announced that they're going to be coming out with one this summer. And um, it's great because um, obviously wireless mice connect your cable, uh, connect your computer without a cable, but you will have to charge them eventually, typically either by replacing the battery or using the included cable. And if you have a wireless charging mouse and, and you have the right mouse pad that can supply power to it, a supporting mouse pad, then you can use the mouse all day, every day, and you won't ever have to think about charging it. 
because it's always getting power from the mouse pad. So we're seeing more of these. Um, we just reviewed this one. This is the Cooler Master MM831. And here's another one, the ASUS ROG Chakram. And these are great for really um, simplifying your setup, but to get this going, it's really expensive. So most of the wireless uh, charging mouse we're seeing now are, I'll say like roughly around $90. And the mouse pads that, are, that support the wireless charging are also um, going for around $90. So that's $200 you're spending on a mouse, which is crazy. And that's not even as, as like the most expensive it gets, um, Razer, and um, Logitech both have um, wireless charging mouse, but it doesn't use, it has to use a specific mouse pad that the wireless charging will only work on that specific mouse pad. And those will run you 250, 240. And I actually think Andrew, don't you have the Logitech uh, wireless charging mouse, the G502? Yeah. yeah, this is the G502 Lightspeed, um, which is basically the regular G502, but it doesn't have, you know, it doesn't have the wire. And on the bottom of it, they they sell it without the mouse pad. The mouse pad is extra. And this one it's, it's around usually for MSRP like around two hundred. It's expensive, but where you would put weights or adjustable weights, they have a puck that does the wireless charging. And honestly, like this is my the, my favorite mouse I've ever used. I I love the functionality and I love that it's wireless and that I don't have to think about plugging in at the end of the day. I'm not a fan of needing the same like to use that same mouse pad over and over again, you know, if that thing gets dirty and the idea I'll have to go buy another one is, you know, not amazing. And maybe I should just deal with charging it. But the fact that I have put this down to my desk since we came to work from home, and this is the first time I've ever taken it off and like ever thought about the fact that there would be batteries is kind of amazing. That is, that is pretty cool. I mean, you know, listen, conveniences are, are, are worth it, right? Like, we often say $200 for a mouse, and that does seem a little bit excessive. But on the other hand, how, what are you using the most on your computer? What are you touching the most? It's, you know, it's your mouse and your keyboard. And what are you interacting with the most and looking at the most? Your monitor. So those are things that are always, to, in my mind, are always worth splurging on because you are going to tell the difference immediately uh, right. every day, all the time. Whereas other things that you do to upgrade may only help you in certain circumstances, or you may not notice the difference right away. Like, oh, you know, I got a slightly bigger, I got a bigger SSD, but I still have all this free space. I got a faster, a slightly faster processor, but, but a lot of the things I do every day still run the same. But, um, but if you, if you change your keyboard, you change your mouse, you're going to notice that immediately all the time. So while these things aren't as, you know, high tech and, you know, as, as maybe your internal components are they're they're very important. So, you know, I, I think spending the money on a, on a wireless charging mouse makes sense. If you're really worried, if it's, it's annoying to have to remember to plug in something like a mouse every day, it's very, right. it's very annoying. Now, I think Sharon's right about the cost. I looked up the mouse pad that I've been using, and right now it goes right now. It's on, it's on Best Buy. It's about one hundred twenty dollars. So it's just for a mouse pad. And it only it only charges that specific mouse, it, correct? Um, it charges a whole bunch of Logitech's mice. Like any okay. of the any of Logitech's mice will use that one. But in general, like it's you know that's an expensive mouse pad. Yeah. And, I guess in my experience, it's funny because I went from having to occasionally have one thing plugged in to always needing one thing plugged in 
that USB port is gone because it is constantly plugged into the mouse pad. For, for me, that wasn't a big big deal until I got here where I working from home where I don't have as big of a dock. And now that USB port is actually kind of valuable. And would it have been easier to plug in plug this in once in a while? Probably, but I just I don't wanna. Like I love the idea, but I don't have to think about it. Well, yeah. one way to get around that is, well, I, it, if you get a mouse with um, Qi charging specifically, so not right. that, and not the Razer uh, Mamba that's made to work with a Typerflux mouse pad. Um, if you get a Qi one, it'll work with any Qi uh, mouse pad, and they're still expensive. You can find some off-brand ones that are cheaper, but some of the more expensive ones, again, like around $90, they have a USB pass-through port, so you don't have to give up a whole port. But again, that's going to, it's going to cost you a lot of money. You can get like a cheap one from a brand I've never heard of from, for like 30 to $40, but it's not, it's probably not going to have RGB and it's definitely not going to have a pass through port. So if you could get Qi, uh, a Qi mouse, it might be a little bit more, slightly more economical. And then you could probably charge your smartphone on it too. Are there any wireless gaming mouse mice that just use removable batteries? There yeah. are plenty of lower cost ones. I know. I mean, because I, I have I have right here a kind of non gaming mouse that I like to use that uses double A's, and I have to change yeah. these maybe once every six months. I have one too. Um, yeah, there are. I I personally don't prefer that. I think it just makes more sense to have a cable that you could recharge it over and over again instead of having to worry about do you have batteries in your house. Yeah, I mean, it's so infrequent, though. But obviously, if you're doing something with RGB and you're doing, like, gaming and it has to do a high polling rate and things like that, I'm sure it's burning through the juice a lot faster. Um, but some of these, like, cheaper mice, I mean, meh, I it's so long. And it warns you. It starts turning red, like, a month before you need to change it. Um, also, I mean one... I mean, there is an argument for the double A's. I prefer rechargeable stuff in my life, but just like like Xbox's controllers, for instance, also use double A's instead of instead of something like lithium ion battery. And I do know some people love that, including in their mice, because oh, okay, I'm out of battery, but I'm you know I'm in the middle of gaming. I don't have to get up and plug it in. I can just swap out two batteries real quick and be and be back. Some people prefer that. I mean, I if you want to be environmentally like, conscious, you could buy you could buy rechargeable, rechargeable double A's. Now, so you I, pack four and then... yeah, I have like I have a bunch of recharge. Now, I have to admit, I a while back bought a, a bunch of rechargeable triple A's, and it just and the problem that I had with them, and these were like the top rated ones on Amazon, is that if you, I would charge them all up, and then if I went to plug one in like a month later, they'd have no charge because I think they lose charge when they're not being used. So, uh, which is not something that you see from most other devices. Like I could take my USB power bank for a phone, charge it up and like a year later come back and it still seems to have most of the same charge. So I don't know why that is. Uh, speaking of charging, uh, <laughs> I have, I, I have some things here to some charging uh, things for my show and tell. So, um, if you've been following the uh, charger industry, and you would be forgiven not to be because it's never not been very exciting most of the time, uh, you you might notice that the big thing in chargers the last uh, six months or so has been um, gallium nitride uh, battery uh, gallium um, chargers with GAN, uh, otherwise known as gallium nitride components inside. A regular charger. 
uh, has, has silicon inside and it needs to be larger. So I have here a ThinkPad uh, USB charger. The charge comes with an X1 Carbon uh, ThinkPad. And you can see how big it is. This is, and it has a cable, and this is without even the cable that goes to the wall. Now, this is 65 watts. Let me show you a Gallium Nitride charger that is also 65 watts. Ta-da! So this is an Aki, uh, I think this is PAB4 Omnia charger. And this, and this is 65 watts also, same amount of juice. And uh, I like the way that a lot of these third-party chargers have flip-out um, tongs. It's really good for like carrying, for carrying. And then rather than having a mess of wires, like with these, where you've got like this wire goes to the laptop and another wire goes to the wall. Um, here, you know, I mean, these don't come with a USB-C cable, so you got to bring your own C-to-C cable. Um, but wow, they are you know, the, these GAN chargers really allow a lot. So I have a few different ones here and you can see how, how small they are. So this is a 65 watt from, from Aki. Um, this here, ta-da, I think this is, this may be the smallest laptop charger on the market. Aww. This is the PAB, the Aki PAB2. Um, and it is just ludicrously small. It is... 43 by 43 uh, millimeters. Uh, the 65 watt is 52 by 52, so you can see. Um, and by the way, this is 61 watts, but I mean, honestly, the four watts should make no difference to anybody. Most of the types of laptops you would charge with this, like an, um, probably a lightweight laptop like a Dell XPS 13 or, or a ThinkPad, uh, they really usually don't even need more than 45 watts at a time. So 60 is, is more than, more than enough. Um, you know, so on the, on the flip side, I have a couple of other models here from Rav power. Here's the 61 uh, watt Rav power. You can see it's a little bit bigger than the Aki. So, um, just a, just a tad. Um, and here is the 65 watt Rav power. And a lot of these ones, the larger ones that are 65 watts have multiple ports. So what's cool about that is you can, you know, while you're charging your laptop with the C port, you can charge a phone or a tablet with the A port. Um, you know, another little tidbit for me, the big Raspberry Pi fan, is that the C ports on these all all work well for, uh, for juicing a Raspberry Pi 4. Um, Finally, I have here an, uh, the 95 watt Rav Power, and you can see that it's still not that big. Like here's the 95 watt versus the 65 watt, and it's not. It's really not not bad. Andrew has with him the uh, he has is, the, the 100, 100 watt, watt PAB5. Yeah. Just for some size comparison, like this is an AirPods case. Right. So they're, so these are, you know, <laughs> these, right. It's smaller than the CPU. Exactly. So these are just like ridiculously small here. I do this full screen so people can see like the 95 versus a, a 60 watt. Um, and it's thanks to gallium nitrite 
uh, gallium nitride technology. And, um, you know, we're starting to see this in more and more things. Um, I have one other charger here. The, this is an anchor charger. Anchor is a very popular brand, but, um, that I got last summer that I tried and this is 65 watt, but their 65 watt, at least unless they've come out with a newer one is actually bigger than the Aki and bigger than the RAV power. Um, so I have all of these chargers here. And um, one thing I'm doing is going through and uh, doing some power testing with them to make sure that they're uh, delivering all that they say. But so far it seems like everything is doing is, is working as it should. Um, so I think this is a, this is a pretty cool upgrade for somebody who has a laptop to go from the charger that comes in the box like this to something that's like this. Um, and of course these can also be used to charge your phone, um, or juice a raspberry Pi, charge anything that can charge over type C or, um, in the one case of the ones that have type A over type type A. So, um, I think it's been a, a great, great improvement. They're not very expensive. Uh, some of these are as little as $20, $21, uh, some as much as $30 or $40. Uh, but it's one of those like really nice little improvements in your in the quality of your life. Of course, that also depends on you having a laptop that can charge over USB PD, uh, over USB Type-C. And, um, you know, unfortunately, there's still a lot of laptops that don't. Um, but and also fair, There's also a fair amount that will charge, but only with the, with the OEM's actual charger from the box. Um, those, are, those are becoming less and less so. I think but it's everyone... getting better. I think it's, I think it's getting better. I mean, there was definitely some issues in the past with HP. I don't know the last time we checked in on that, um, where HPs would only use an HP, uh, USB charger. Uh, but as far as I've seen, um, these work really well. And of course the 95 and hundred watt ones are really made for MacBooks. MacBook Pros, which are the only ones I can think of that definitely need the 100 watt USB-C. So you, yep. there's no uh, Type A. Um, for these ones. Oh well, it depends which one. Like the 95 has two Type Cs. Um, does your 90 100 watt have a Type A on it? This 100 watt's got nothing on it except for the Type C. You can only charge one device with this. It depends. Different ones have different things. So this um, this 65 watt Aki has an A and a C. Okay. Obviously, you need the C just for for your laptop, but you can use the A for a phone. Uh, this Rav Power one has both. Um, so it um, it really it really depends uh, on that's something. Some of them have like one model that has only one, and one model that has two uh, ports. Uh, obviously, it's very convenient to have to have two, uh, particularly if you're traveling. Now, I don't know how many of us are traveling these days, but one day again, we will travel, um, and uh, and it'll be good. It'll be good to have lightweight things to take with us. Uh, and you know what else? Uh, these also take up less space in your drawer, less space in your bag, and less space on your power strip. So, uh, so the big one this might be that. before. The big one this might be helpful for is some of the some of the more recent gaming laptops we've seen from like Razer and MSI. You know, they come with the big chunkers, but they've started including USB-C for like drip charging effectively. So okay, fine, you can't play a game with this connected, but you could get one of these for if you are going somewhere and you're just using it, you know, for email or Netflix or whatever, and that'll be fine. 
So for that, this would, this would be a big improvement. What if you just left it to charge all, can you, you can charge it with that, right? So if you just left the gaming laptop overnight or whatever to charge, yeah, it would work. It would work. It, Although, it would charge very slowly, but it would charge. Yeah. So, I mean, if you've seen, if you've used gaming laptops for any length of time, if you've seen some of the ones that we've seen, like what was that Acer one that we had that has the $10,000 Acer uh, laptop it had dual, like when they say power brick, it was more like it was bigger than a brick. Andrew was working out with them. Yeah, you could like you could that was the next one. But you you see a number of laptops that the ones that put in the desktop chips have them, like the Alienware, like the Alienware Area Fifty One M, where they'll have like the the two power bricks because they need that much for a you know for a desktop processor or a desktop GPU. Um, but you know for something like I don't know like the Alienware, not the Alienware, the sorry the Asus. Zephyrus G14 we reviewed, like the AMD one, that one's relatively sleek and it has USB-C. And actually, I didn't, I don't remember if that one charged over USB-C, but maybe something like the Razer Blade, right? Relatively sleek. You couldn't game on it because this wouldn't charge enough, provide enough power. If I was going away for a, for a weekend, if I ever get to do that again, ever. And I was bringing that with me, you know, just to like keep in touch with people, this, this would work. So I, I do see the market for these. I think most people are probably going to use whatever comes in the box. Uh, yeah, but everybody needs a spare. You know, you That's don't want to be caught out there. Or if, like I used to take my laptop back from forth from home and work, and I take leave the chunky one at work and yeah, have a good one at home. Uh, so we're out the part of our show where we take questions from the audience. Is anybody uh, anybody in the audience want to talk about anything? I haven't. Uh, the only question I've seen is from Felix. Who asked, will the bendable screens last yet? Um, Lenovo said so. Um, <laughs> Lenovo had Lenovo on this is back at CES was saying that their the foldable screen was actually rated to withstand more folds than a regular ThinkPad's hinges. So in theory, but I mean, we haven't gotten any, you know, final ones in yet because they haven't released. So time will tell. It's hard to say if they will be like the phone counterparts, which have been mixed. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. Well, I do see Arsh wants us to shout him out. So hi, Arsh. <laughs> shout him out. We did it half an hour after he asked. Uh, but uh, well, I guess that's it for today's show. Uh, thank you, everyone, for for tuning in. Uh, those who watched live and those who will watch later. Uh, you can subscribe to us on Tom's Hardware's YouTube channel uh, and click like uh, for, uh, and of course, we'll see you here uh, every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern. For Tom's Hardware, I'm Abram. I'm Sharon. I'm Andrew. We'll see you next week. Bye.